My name is Dan Sims and welcome back to the Mold Cheese Collective podcast where we chat to the makers, growers, farmers and families who just happen to make the best cheese in Australia. From humble beginnings in the 70s with a small herd of just 12 milking cows, Breen Creek Dairy has gone from strength to strength. Being one of the only remaining dairies in the area, the Bignall family now have a herd of over 800 strong Holstein Frisian cows. But as with all farming, it has its challenges, and the need to diversify the family business led them to cheese making, and we couldn't be more impressed with what they're producing. And I'm sure I can say the same for all of you who have enjoyed their cheeses in the recent cheese boxes. This is a great opportunity to sit down and chat with both Jack Bignall and James Green to discuss the evolution of Broom Creek and what makes that part of Tassie so special. I'm not sure about you, but by the end of this conversation, uh, I was looking at flights to Tasmania. <laughs> it, uh, it really is a special place, so let's get into it. Jack Bignall and James Green, welcome to the Mold Cheese Collective podcast. How are you guys doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Dan, going very well. Down here, lovely day in Brim Creek. Well, just to kick us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and where exactly you are in Tasmania? Jack, do you want to take this one? Yeah, yeah. So um, I am third generation on our property down here in Brim Creek, which is on the in right in the southeast corner of of Tassie um, on the coast here just overlooking the Tasman Peninsula uh, so so we're milking currently 800 cows um, down here in our 2,000 acre property which a lot a lot of is is bushland as as well as uh, quite intensive irrigation um, where our, our cows are grazed on pasture all year round as well as supplemented with a bit of bit of silage um, and grain in the dairy as well. Uh, so yeah, I, I suppose we've we've gr- I've grown up on the farm here um, my whole life with sort of sort of all I've really ever known, and went went away to New Zealand and did a little bit of study and come back come back now to now to be um, managing the the dairy side of the side of the business and sort of helping nudge along the the vertical integration that's our cheese and and uh, milk and wine as well, which has just, just come online. <laughs> well, wine is always a good thing, especially uh, with something like cheese. Um, but, James, what about you? Um, James here, yeah. So I'm, I've just kind of, over the last year or so, a little bit since the cheese has kind of started, I've started working down here with the Bignall family. Um, so I look after the marketing and sales and, and distribution type stuff for the business. Um, so, again, that's that's the cheese, the wine and the milk. Um, and, and yeah, that's kind of turned into a full-time position now that we're slowly getting bigger and bigger. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's great to be a part of the family and, and the business as well. Now, Jack, just to take it back a step, when was the family farm actually established? Um, so we in a in about um, the the seventies the, the early seventies. Um, my grandpa came down to the to the farm with uh, a little, little bit of money that he'd saved up from from town. They had a had a existing farm uh, in which is now the centre of Hobart, um, and that obviously got taken up by houses. And so he came out with a little with a pocket full of cash and. Bought a little little farm here where he was originally only milking uh, about a, about a dozen cows on on I think it was about sixty acres or something, 
Um, and at the time, there were about 20, oh, 24 dairy farms, I think, um, around the area, which is now just our, our one single farm, um, most of which was sort of ran by older fellas um, that, yeah, didn't, didn't really want to stay in the game and and at the time of deregulation as well that's that sort of forced forced a lot of the the old fellas out and we ended up with the opportunity to to buy a few of the the properties out um and yeah so now we're we're really the only ones <laughs> only ones left down here uh the cl- closest dairy farms yeah well over oh nearly nearly a couple of hundred kilometers away so we're um we're well out now on our own here but we think it's a lovely spot to dairy farm it's not the flattest or or we don't get the most rainfall but it's definitely one of the most spectacular parts of uh australia we'd argue so um that's that's what's kept our family here the whole time and my my uncle and dad have have been took it over from my grandpa um and yeah they've they've grown it from what was 12 cows uh all the way out to 800 now yeah well that's quite a period of growth in a short period of time Uh, so tell us tell us about the cows that you raised there is there one breed in particular you focus on or is there a different range of them yep so so we're we're probably more focusing at the moment into breeding um into bigger higher producing cows but also with because we're doing our own products now we do really want to keep that um, fat and protein as, as high as possible, especially for cheese yield and to get the tastiest milk as humanly possible. Um, so, yeah, our cows are predominantly Holstein Frisians. Um, so that's they're sort of averaging 650 kilos. So we, we still do have a, a few crossbred traits through the herd um, from when my grandpa used to have some jerseys in the herd as well. Um, but, but our... I suppose our philosophy on the farm is to rather than push production through getting as many cows as humanly possible, um, push the per cow production whilst keeping those cows as happy and as healthy as humanly possible and be able to really focus on it on a smaller number of, uh, of stock and doing it really well rather than having a, having a risk spread thin over, over a gigantic herd to get the same amount of milk. Yeah, so, so we're, I suppose we're averaging at the moment – uh, going into autumn, we're, we're still milking the milking the whole 800 cows and uh, about to dry off. And the the oh the autumn calving cows are still up around that 35 litre mark. So that so they're quite high producing cows, but with the um, concentrates that we feed them in grain and uh, some some high protein meals as well, we're, we're able to keep their their um, components their their fat and protein right up there so that we're keeping the cheese makers happy and, <laughs> and keeping the consumers in the milk happy too. Well, what is it about the Frisian breed that you love so much and what do you think about them that translate to making incredible cheese? You know, what, what makes them so special? Is there any particular character that you think or does it change by the season? Yeah, well, I think... So when you're when you're working with them every day, they sort of they've all got their own personalities. And I personally haven't had too much experience with with other breeds. Um, this being the only dairy farm I've properly spent spent time on. Um, but yeah, you sort you pretty much get to know all the all the cows, and especially so the the ones which are a bit 
a bit cheeky or they'll come up to you for a scratch. But I just think they're a very well-natured cow um, and they, they suit our system in that we're, we're f- feeding them high inputs of, of grass and, and silage. We, sort of, we basically challenge feed them to as, get as much dry matter intake into them as humanly possible. Um, and they, they seem to respond to that really well. Um, and also, also on our farm, it's quite undulating, so we we do we do have the challenge of walking them up um, up some quite big hills and and things to get them to the dairy. But we we find through through our breeding and and the genetics that we've we've used over the years, we've we've uh, bred for bred for that as well in having good legs and feet. And they yeah they just seem to respond really well to the the climate down here, which is quite temperate being on the water. Um, yeah, they just, they just work really well in our system. Oh, and it is a magical place. And for anyone who has been to Tasmania or uh, or looked at your website, it really is a dairy by the sea. It's a it's such a spectacular place. Um, James, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what brought you to Broome Creek, and what do you think makes it so special and in particular unique in Tasmania? Yeah. Um, so I came down, yeah, probably around March last year when COVID probably first started to hit Australia and I was working up until that point in hospitality in inner city Hobart. Um, and Jack and I went to school together and I think I kind of reached out to him and, and just said what was happening on the farm. And it just so happened that at that time they, they started bringing out a few cheeses and, and new products and Brim Creek Dairy um itself was starting to take off a little bit and they needed an extra hand looking after I guess some of the businessy side of things so they said come down on a little bit of a trial basis so I guess while that stuff was happening and and from there it's progressed into a bit more of a full-time role as we've naturally progressed and um and started to produce more milk and, and more cheese um and releasing our wine as well making that available to the public um so yeah I've been down here for a bit over a year and in terms of Brim Creek itself, it's it's bloody beautiful, as you said. I think the dairy by the sea is the perfect summary of it, and it's great to be only probably forty minutes out of Hobart, so not too far at all, really. But it's it feels like it's miles away, really, when when you look at the scenery down here, and um, and to get away from Hobart, which is not exactly a, a super busy city, but um, it's it's, <laughs> it's still it's still nice to kind of get the best of both worlds. Yeah, Hobart is a wonderful town and has certainly grown and grown over the last decade with an explosion of incredible food and cultural activities down there. Just so many good things. Um, so the dairy farm has been around for a good period of time. So when did this transition begin to making great cheese? Uh, what when was that step? And was it a natural progression, or is it something you just couldn't help but latch on to. Yeah, so um, it's it was quite a long time in, in the in the planning and and um, I suppose we we had talked about coming up with some sort of our own product, um, oh, probably for the most part of ten years I reckon, and where we had just been pushed up against the wall a little bit in terms of milk prices and like I said before, we we're not the metre plus of rainfall, dead flat, ideal dairy farming country where you can still make make a bit of money um, milking cows. We we have got some challenges in that we we rely on a lot of irrigation and and um, walking the cows up a lot of hills. So 
we um, we we were looking at looking at what we could what we could do, but we didn't really didn't have the capital to just go out and build a factory or <laughs> or do something like that. Um, and but we we knew we wanted to do something, and whether that meant go to the bank, or what we were going to do, we weren't really sure. So I um, when I was looking for something to do after I finished school, I was looking through a couple of uh, courses in New Zealand, uni courses at uh, at Lincoln Uni in um, in Canterbury, and I saw the degree of agribusiness and food marketing, which just when we'd been talking about it every night at home, you know. The, Bloody wasn't it was dry and we um, weren't getting paid much for our milk and I thought well, this is the perfect opportunity like I I, um, I was already very passionate that I wanted to come back to the farm and um, I had it in my head that we were going to have our own brand one day and make make cheese has always been my thing um, and so yeah I went over there with the idea of learning all about marketing and um, and food production and and seeing how the Kiwis do it because they. They do a pretty bloody good job of it over there. No, it, was, it was pretty much when I um, when I came home. We started with the milk, just just by chance. Some some uh, blokes in town in Hobart who were processing a little bit of our milk already and selling it to coffee shops. Um, they gave us the the opportunity to whack our our label on it and start selling a bit of our milk directly and doing the doing the sales and marketing side of it, which sort of helped us get get our foot in the door and. Uh, about a year after that, a similar thing happened with cheese, where where we um, we a contract making cheese in a in someone else's factory with with our milk and and our own recipes. Tell us about the differences from what you were learning and observing in New Zealand. And you mentioned North Canterbury, which is a place very special to my heart, a beautiful part of the world. You know, are there similarities and or differences there to here from? both the dairy and cheese production side of things uh, to, I suppose, in comparison to what you've experienced uh, in Tasmania? Yeah, yeah. I think what, where they've really nailed it is just being able to extract so much value out of a story and, a, and scenery and, um, and that's basically the, what we've got. We've, we've, we think we've got a, a pretty interesting story of us being down here and out on our own and way down the bottom bottom of the world in Tassie trying to milk cows and um and we've we've got this amazing place that we want to share with people and use that to try and add a bit of value onto our onto our products and that's what the Kiwis have just managed to do incredibly with so many of their their brands and and um and products is just it just get these amazing uh prices for it both domestically and overseas because people want to know what what it is they're buying um now and the the yeah, new zealand's ability to to market that and sell that is just it was just it blew me away really and so we've definitely taken a lot of um a lot well, i took a lot of incredible learning away from being over there i think it's just the perfect spot because i've and even in terms of dairy farming as well i do think they're definitely uh far advanced in in a lot of their dairy farming aspects as well 
Uh, from an outsider's point of view, I certainly see a lot of similarities in terms of the marketing that New Zealand does when compared to somewhere like Tasmania. I mean, Tasmania just has this amazingly impactful and raw beauty about it. And the quality of product and produce is second to none, especially in terms of agritourism. Uh, there is a huge love for all things Tasmania out there. And we certainly see that at the collective as well as the festivals. It's uh, It's just amazing. But... Let's dive into cheese a little bit now. What was the first cheese that you made and how has it since evolved? Uh, how many cheeses do you now make? Yeah, Jim. Uh, so in terms of the first cheeses that we made, I think we, ca- we came out with three soft cheeses pretty much straight away. Um, so we had a triple cream brie, black ash brie and a truffle brie, which is still all available at the moment. And then we also had a softer style of blue, so mild blue cheese, um, which we're at the moment just tinkering a little bit with the recipe. Uh, so just changing that up at the moment. So we've taken that off shelves and we're looking forward to, I think, around this time next week, hopefully taste testing a couple of batches, which is which is one of the perks of our job, I guess, that we get to, <laughs> to trial and sample a fair few cheeses. So, yeah, at the moment we've still just got those three soft cheeses that we initially bought out so the yeah the triple cream brie black ash brie and truffle brie um but we're in the in the process now of trying to expand a little bit and and bring out some new products which is super exciting um and we're comfortable with the with the product that um that we've got at the moment with those soft cheeses and and yeah we want to just expand slightly into getting that blue back out there we're looking into a wash rind at the moment and some cheddars as well um so we work we work with a couple of different cheesemakers the original one was a bloke called mike reeves so he's from the from the uk he's an award-winning cheesemaker and he was well this is just before i got got here but my understanding is he had a chat with jack and the rest of the bignalls and um and help them out with some recipes for soft cheeses and and we use those recipes to and with our um our own milk and and that's how the products kind of started um and we're still in contact with him who's going to assist us a little bit with the the process of bringing out some new products now i've got to talk about one cheese in particular the truffle brie as this was the cheese we featured in one of our monthly cheese boxes and it was insanely popular judging by the socials and more uh, and i have to say i grabbed a few of these uh, and kept them back to, to watch them develop slash age slash evolve over a good period of time and i had one that was a week or two past its best before which i like to think is best from and it was just incredible uh, tell us about the inspiration behind that cheese and the link between those two uh, just amazing products yeah, so I think you've probably hit the nail on the head. I think, especially over the last couple of months, the truffle brie seems to be our most popular. Um, and actually, since we put it on the Mild Cheese Collective, we have had uh, people from interstate for the first time, really, since we released our website, start ordering our products. And one of those products, the main one, was the, the truffle brie. And I actually got an email a couple of weeks ago from a fellow in Western Australia who just ordered, I think he just ordered two boxes of the stuff straight up, Up sent me an email and, and said here how impressed he was with the truffle brie. And I kind of just asked how he'd heard about it because it's a pretty exciting thing for us, especially only being a bit over a year into it, to start moving some product into state, um, which is a Probably a lot of that's through you guys. When we started popping it on the collective as well, we started to get a few people inquire about it. Um, but, yeah, he was so impressed with the truffle brie. So I think 
the inspiration for that, Jack, I don't know. We we sort of and sort of going back to our to our high value high value of our, our product, we that was that was the idea behind it really. We just we wanted to to pair a couple of things in a cheese that that um made it look and taste as high quality and as premium as we could possibly get because we we uh would like to think that we're we're doing things pretty well down here and and we've got a superior product and something that we could do to to part to partner with our our brie having truffle in there we think that just it was unbelievable when when mike um sent some over that he was making with some um some milk from queensland and when we made it with our with our own milk we thought jesus here we go so it blew up, it blew us all completely completely away and we sort of from then on we had decided that that was going to be our our signature top of the range top of the range product um and we just yeah we think the the truffle flavors just goes so well with the with the brown you're right especially once it gets into that later maturity it um yeah it really just shines shines through the the cheese so we at the moment we're still getting our truffles from western australia where our where the cheese, our cheese maker Mike, um, originally was getting it from. So we're we're in the process at the moment. Fingers crossed. Well, there's some fantastic trufferies in in Tasmania. Um, what, one of which we uh, we tried to put put in ourselves down down here on the dairy where things that go to so well, but it um we still haven't yielded a truffle actually. So <laughs> the promises the promises that we got for the people we put it in there didn't go that well, but. But um, no, there's some fantastic, some fantastic truffle products coming out of Tassie, and we're um, that's yeah, at the at the top of our priority list at the moment to to get some of that um, just fully Tasmanian Tasmanian story out there as we can. Oh, the produce down there is really incredible. It really is. So, for those of us who are inspired to visit, can we come and say hi to you? you know, do you have a cellar door? We haven't got a cellar door or anything at the moment. Just being relatively new, sort of easing our way into it. But we we um, we're definitely definitely uh, pretty hard to miss when you drive down the the southeast corner of um, of Tassie and go on your way down to Port Arthur and the Tasman Peninsula. Um, we're sort of just just on the side of the road so if you see some dairy cows down this end of the state you reckon you're in the right spot um but yeah no we um we, it's definitely definitely in the pipeline we've we've thought just to exhibit our what we've got to offer down here and not only us but we've um we've got some amazing neighbors that are producing some um pretty pretty special wines and and uh, other other produce too so we just love love the opportunity one day to be able to showcase everything that our little town's got to got to show for itself. We think it punch, we punch pretty well above our weight um, in terms of how big the little community is. But um, yeah, we 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 would love to set up a cellar door or something something similar one day where you can walk up onto the hill and sip some of our uh, our Stroud. Um, wine and have a bit of a cheese tasting overlooking the view and the, the cows grazing down in the paddocks oh that just sounds terrible doesn't it <laughs> uh, it is just a beautiful part of the world and i can't wait to get back to tasmania and explore more um but being that the cheese production side of things is in its infancy 
Is there a cheese that you want to make but currently don't? That's a good question. Uh, I think, again, back to being quite early days in the in the cheese game, we're still having conversations about bringing new products out, but pretty slowly, I think, at the moment because we just want to perfect those cheeses that we're doing and, and get them right. And I think at the moment with the three that we've done, we're, we're really comfortable with the product that we're putting out there um, and hopefully you guys are as well as, as consumers. Um, so, yeah, as we said before, I think the next one that we were looking into would be getting that blue back out there. Um, so a little bit probably of a, a more pungent blue, I guess, than we had last time. Um, it was a little bit of a milder, harder blue, um, and then and then move into a washed rind and a cheddar and those type of things as well. But slowly, kind of trickle those out and, and get those perfect before we release them to everybody else. I guess. So yes, steady as she goes. Though really good blue is just delicious. And let's face it, those who love blue cheese really love blue cheese because like every time we do a blue cheese box people just go crazy um i have one final question for you and it's uh it's an interesting one and i really love to ask this is it's very much crystal balling if we were having this conversation in 10 years time what would be happening at bream creek well after rising at uh at 3 30 this morning (laughs) and um and not getting home for brekkie until only only short only just before. I would love to see one day the, the incorporation of. Um, so I know there's some pretty good VMS um, robotic milking systems out there now, um, and you ne- you never know. We we um, if we flog enough cheeses, we we might be able to we might be able to put in some form of a of a robot down here. We'd need quite a few to milk all eight hundred, but um. It had uh, it had it had saved those 3:30 mornings, um, but no, I I think our our plan as a as a family we sort of sit down every couple of weeks with um with James and uh, my family, which is uh, which is there's five of us and of which I'm the oldest and my uncle's family as well. So we're we're all living on the farm and we we go over a few ideas that everyone's had and um I. I think we're we're definitely keen to keep growing our products and but really re, really refine what we do and um, if if it, we don't make a million products we just want to do what we do really really well um, and uh, the, another another idea that we've that we've had is trying to develop a cave aged cloth bound cheddar down down here um, and so we we've, we've floated the idea with a couple of couple of earth movers to um, Move a bit of dirt around and try and try and get a bit of a cave happening where where we can develop some another really premium top end cheese that is ho- hopefully recognised all around Australia and just just to get our brand out there is probably the main thing over the next ten years. I uh, like what you're saying there, and I I really get what you mean about not wanting to do so many things but focusing on the few and doing them really really well. It just makes a lot of sense. Jack Bignall and James Green, thank you so much for joining us on the Mold Cheese Collective podcast. You know we're massive fans uh, of all that you do and especially the cheese. Thanks so much for sharing your story and we can't wait to catch up with you in person in either Tasmania or at the festival soon. Good on you, Dan. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers, Dan. 
Thanks so much for listening in to the Mold Cheese Collective podcast. If you'd like to hear more, we do hope you consider subscribing or even better, share it with your mates or via the socials. It all goes a long way to help us spreading the good word about Australian cheese. If you'd like to get in touch or have any feedback at all, please follow us at the socials at, at Mold Cheese or send us an email to hello at moldcheesefestival.com. We've got so many more conversations to come. So until next time, cheers. Cheers.